0: Welcome to the Minter Dialogue radio show number 34. This interview is with Casper Craven, whom I met thanks to Jane Gomez at the Supper Club. Casper is co-founder and director of Trovis, an award-winning agency working on gleaning and refining customer intelligence, especially for the B2B companies. Casper has a very strong point of view on customer intelligence and about what makes for success in creating customer-driven, sustainable growth. I'm sure you will enjoy his insights. Let's cut to the interview. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue Radio Show, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, and I'm author of the blog TheMindset.com, that's T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes on the blog for the upcoming interview, so let's cut to the quick... Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Minted Dialogue radio show. Today I'm in uh, a rather rainy day in London, down in Vauxhall, and I'm with someone called Casper Craven, who I met just recently, who's the co-founder and director of Trovus. So Casper, can you tell us who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah, hi, mentor. Uh, thank you for having me on today. Uh, delighted to be here. Um, so, um, yeah. So basically, I'm one of the founders of, uh, of Trovis. Uh, in very simple terms, uh, we're a customer intelligence consultancy. Uh, we help our be bean- B2B clients to uh, grow. Now there's lots of different uh, organisations out there that can help with growth. The very specific angle that we have is that every organisation has lots of customer data locked away in different silos inside that organisation and nobody really has a consolidated view across the whole company of that data and what that means. For you, so we help companies to surface that data, look for patterns, look for trends, look for stories in that data, which can help to unlock growth for them. Okay, so the first question I have is why B2B as opposed to B2B2C or B2C? Um, I guess that's uh, probably a quirk of uh, history um, that uh, we started in the B2B space, um, profiling uh, website visitors uh, using IP address data. And so we started to build um, profiles of B2B organizations. And uh, the questions that our clients have given to us have just taken us down that journey. So we are very much specialised just in B2B and also professional services firms. So,
0: Well, so naturally, since in my past I worked a lot with hairdressers, as you know, uh, with L'Oreal and in a B2B to C environment. Uh, I remember back. And of course, this is maybe part of my old age. But I remember back when we would send out postcards, and we would get this material back. and, and my experience was these postcards would get into a large cardboard box, stand underneath the marketing manager's desk, and never move. Do you still encounter that kind of inane marketing, or are we is everything digital, but yet still put in a cardboard box somewhere? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, the, the, the the fascinating thing over
1: the last 10 to 15 years or so. Is uh, particularly with digital, is the ability to uh, measure and therefore manage in uh, you know quite remarkable ways that we never used to be able to. So the, the, the scenario you describe of uh, you know a while ago with the cardboard boxes of the of the letters and you know trying to work out the responses to that, um, you know what we can still have that um, predicament today because people can have all the data in the world but don't know what to do with it, and therefore the analogy is exactly the same as it used to be, but there is the ability, if people have the knowledge, the skills, to really dissect that information and to uh, you know pick up some very, very powerful trends and patterns from that. I mean, it's interesting, the, um, we were with some investors a little while ago, and they basically described what we were doing as effectively the equivalent of the Tesco club cards, but for the B2B world, where there's all this data hidden inside, but actually if you can profile it, if you can spot the patterns, you can become remarkable effective at offering the right things to the right people at the right time is truly understanding your customer
0: right so just as back in my days it was paper and pen and postcards today we're digital that's cool we can measure it it's real time it's very uh, it's 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 an amazing amount of data but we also have probably a spawning of number of data points and sources which makes it awfully more complex to manage so what is your system or how do you go about organizing what you know, really is now more of a chaotic, extraordinary wide berth for your uh,
1: input. Yeah, no, again, that's um, that's a great question. I mean, you know, I think over the last sort of 10 years or so, a lot of people have been aiming to create one system. It used to be um, what we'll call the ERP systems or now um, automated marketing systems, very common, where people are trying to have one system which captures all the different data sources. And our belief is very much that the places that you can get data from are growing at a phenomenal rate. I mean, literally uh, two years ago, uh, just over two years ago, iPads didn't exist. There's now over two million of them in the U.K., they're all throwing off tons of data. And any one system, I don't believe it's able to keep up with that. So, our approach is to understand the questions that people want answered, look at what available data there is, and very build a very sort of quick and light system, pulling together the different data points to answer that particular question. That can then be systemized if someone wants that to happen. But the trend that I see is that a volume and the different nature of the data we're going to have is only going to increase in the coming years. So so I think the ability for, for one system to be able to keep up with that
0: is, uh, is going to be very hard. So. What, it, what it makes me think about is that it, you're actually providing a lot of intuition. What I mean by that is that you, you can't listen to everything. So you need to work with a client to actually figure out, well, we're not going to get a perfect world. It's illusory in in any event. We're going to work with these set of areas where you know your clients are. And that then we're going to render that information intelligible. Is that a fair... Yeah, no, that's that's
1: exactly, I think, the skill set that we are bringing to people that... It's, it's about filtering out the white noise, seeing what the underlying patterns and stories are. There's no such thing as a perfect data set and you know, lots of people have concerns over data quality, have I got enough data and so on, will people act upon this? But for us it's about spotting the big messages, the big stories. I mean, For example, uh, one client we've been working with recently, they asked us the question, why does salesman A convert at a rate two and a half times faster or higher than salesman B? And you the data, we can spot the patterns and stories. What is specifically is he doing that's giving that higher conversion rate? And you only need to pull out two or three big things and then get the rest of the team working on those things. And, you know, some of these things are intuitive if you know them already, but it's only once you start to measure it, report on it, and prove to people the impact of this stuff, so
0: it's measuring the unmeasurable, what's traditionally been unmeasurable. You began uh, this... In an era where social media was just being nascent, as I understand it. Now you have to add all these other social media sources into the the mix. How do you analyze the data, specifically when we're talking semantics? Because, you know, the the number of likes, the number of engagement, but then, you know, the commentary. Do you have a system that you use to evaluate how people are talking about a brand? Yeah, no, that's... um it's the in terms of um,
1: analyzing how people are talking about it, that's probably a little bit outside the remit of where we get involved in um, I know there's a number of uh, different firms out there who are monitoring you know the messages and the sentiment that's being said about people on the on the different uh, social media um, platforms um, and that's probably not a space that we operate in but having said that if someone were to bring that data to us and we would said well how does this benchmark with the conversations and dialogue well, we've got to go Internally, we would be able to integrate those two different data sets together and start to look at patterns and stories from
0: that. All right. So then, tell us how you you use social media in your mix for us specifically as a business. So um,
1: we uh, we were very active on uh, LinkedIn. Um, that's probably our primary source. It's fascinating actually because we get access to uh, data for um, a significant, uh, well basically all of our clients, which are a number of uh, leading uh, B2B firms such as IBM, Microsoft, Cisco, a lot of leading law firms and so on. So we get to see the very best of what other firms are doing.
0: You get to actually walk the talk for your
1: own business. (laughs) Absolutely, we can learn from the very best and um, you know, For, for us, um, analyzing the response patterns, um, LinkedIn is by far and away the most uh, powerful. We do some small activity on Twitter and uh, Facebook. But for the people that we want to engage with, then the predominant place where they are engaging in a B2B context is LinkedIn. So that's the most powerful
0: one. Right. So g- going back to where you work with your clients, my question is how does the internal culture of the company with whom you're being contracted, form, deform, or otherwise help the process of collecting customer intelligence. Okay. The... um
1: I'm going to draw a little story about Trovis here because we, are, we actually operate out of the uh, the former Marmite factory. I love uh, Marmite by the way. <laughs> and um, it's, it's you know as with Marmite there's either a love it or hate it um, uh, moment as it is with uh, using data to drive sales and marketing behaviour people either love it or hate it. If they love it then you get the right behaviours the data unlocks um, and people find a way to do things because they know exactly this is going to work. If you have the, the people who aren't in the in the love it uh, category, then uh, you know clearly uh, it's more challenging to get uh, behaviours, to get data and things flowing through. So um, you know I think in time there will be a significant more number of people in the in the love it um, camp, but uh, right now our our prospecting is very polarised, and you find out very quickly whether someone's into it or not. So well,
0: right, well, so that that's relative to getting it. I, I suppose getting the business, but once you're in in the corporation and you're providing consultancy how to make this work the best what, are, what do you look for in that internal culture other than you know we get data but what are the types of behaviors within the company that
1: help that Okay, so I mean the types of behaviours. I mean it's people who are willing to um, embrace um, innovation, people who are prepared to look at things in a different way, to study the data, to come to informed decisions on that, um, you know, to take advice basically, and to work work through the issues. I and mean, I think you know one of the um, the the, the piece of research we did internally that a lot of our clients um, seem to get promoted very quickly, and they all seem to have this very inquisitive mindset, I think is a behaviour
0: pattern that they they can see this as an interesting way forward, so. All right, once you collect the data, I'm gonna suppose that the tail end of this is CRM. What it, what, where does Trovus work in, in the CRM uh, out, g- output? Okay, so um,
1: CRM data is very often um, a data feed for us, so we'll build a model and we'll have website data, email data, social media data and CRM data as well so to us it's just another um, data set that we can take data from to paint a picture around what your clients and prospects are actually doing so um, very much
0: hand in hand with CRM data, um, very complementary to it So, Alright, give us an idea how you prove the return on investment of working with Trovis so it 's interesting because actually one of the things we often do is we prove the
1: return on investments on every other marketing and business development activities are actually the measurement piece in in many instances. Um, a lot of other instances um, it's very tangible because uh, we unlock uh, real revenue growth for people, we spot opportunities that people weren't aware of so for one, one of the largest technology companies in the world, in the past um, few months we've actually unlocked half a million pounds of additional sales from them by spotting patterns and opportunities from existing clients who are engaging with different areas but there's no sales activity going on in there so it's identified identifying net new opportunities um it's identifying cross-selling opportunities and when those come through you can put a revenue number on on it so a lot of our clients when they come to the end of the year it's like well you know what this is paid for itself many times over it's a very very straightforward decision and the measurement and the roi piece and the feedback piece is is a nice additional thing as well In, incredibly powerful but uh, people always
0: focus on the revenue right so I'm sure they do. When, um, when you collect all the data, so coming from all the sources, I'm going to guess that the data doesn't come in the same format. How do you manage that process? Is it complicated? And what is the underlying database management system that you use, open source or your own proprietary? What do you use? Yeah, no, great question. The, um,
1: yeah, every different data set has its own different um, characteristics, so one of the first steps for us to do once we've understood the question someone wants answered um, and that's actually not as easy as it sounds to find the right question we'll go and study the data sources Uh, we'll look at the quality of the data in there then we'll look to normalise that so you might be targeting, I don't know Barclays Bank, and in one system it might be Barclays Bank PLC, it might be Barclays Limited, another one so we create a key to link together those different data sets um, and then once we've done that we start to visualize that data and run that data on a regular basis so it's all about getting to grips with what's the question what data is there and then how can we manipulate that um, we actually use some business intelligence tools um, to to do that which are very sort of uh, very powerful uh, in terms of you know being able to manipulate l- large
0: amounts of data at high speed. So that's cool I somehow feel uh, we're in the nexus of big data do you feel that's your case every day? <laughs> well, it's, fu- it's
1: funny. I mean big data is, is definitely um, a phrase that gets applied to us. When I look at the data sets that we're dealing with, I wouldn't describe them as big data compared to the, the likes of um, you know, the business-to-consumer data sets, where you've got many tens of millions of lines of data. For us, they're smaller data sets, but incredibly high value. And uh, But it's a fascinating space because nobody really has a grip on all of that. So, you know, big data is a good term, but um, it, it strikes
0: me as small data in terms of things Doing, but very powerful so. Yeah, it's, it's it's all relative to what the perspective of who's talking big. Well, listen Casper, uh, I uh, appreciate you coming on the show. How could uh, someone uh, get in touch with you? What was your site, or email you, or follow you on Twitter? What well, how can they follow you?
1: Yeah, thank you. The, the easiest way to, is to go to um, our website. Uh, it's Trovis T-R-O-V-U-S dot co uk. And actually, if this is of interest, we have um, a free um, video course there, which is delivered over seven days, sort of sharing uh, insights, case studies, and different experiences. Of, uh, of what people are doing with this data some very tangible examples
0: so that's on the homepage of uh, trovis.co.uk Hi, right, brilliant Casper. I hope uh, those of you listening managed to listen through the white space of the background noise in the Starbucks to listen to the uh, Trevor Trove of Casper at Trovis uh, no pun intended actually uh, and thanks very much for being on the show I'll put uh, on the show notes Thank you very much Minta pleasure to talk to you Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue radio show You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, T-H-E-M-Y-N-D-S-E-T, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter. If you like the show, please don't forget to click the handy Facebook like button or tweet it out. And if you speak French, you can find my other French language interviews on minterdial.fr. In the meantime, please come join the conversation at The Mindset, or catch me on Twitter at M-D-I-A-L. Happy trails.